0: go wild is a free social community created for and by hunters go wild has recently partnered with mountain tough for a free 30-day workout program designed to get you in shape for turkey season called the go wild challenge download go wild to sign up and let everyone know in a go wild post that you're joining us Then, each time you do a workout, tag Go Wild and Mountain Tough to hold yourself accountable. Also, Go Wild will be attending the Great American Outdoor Show February 4th through the 12th. If you're in the area, stop by booth 412, meet the guys, and learn all about Go Wild. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today.
1: You know, we all have that one special dog hanging out on the porch. He's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. All these things you like coming together to make one superb dog. That was exactly what we had in mind when we made this show. Welcome to All Mixed Up.
2: Chad
1: Reynolds says I'm fancy, you guys.
2: You are fancy. You had the three, two, one, man. That was I thought that was fancy. I
1: think I think Chris would not describe me as fancy. (laughs) If he's listening to this, he's going, no, not at all. This guy's one step above like a hyena roving across the
2: desert. (laughs) Chad, how you been, buddy? Been good. I'm hacking up all this hay. Dude, Uh, me too. The big boy big boy tractor died on me, so me and me and the team had to go push, you know, these Five by five round bales into the in the horse stall, and of course they unroll like toilet paper. Not a lot of people know that, so I'm wearing <clears throat> almost all of it, and I have a lot of it in my throat. But the horses <laughs> have just, hay, so I just imagined you out there like threshing
1: hay with a scythe, like a babushka out there, just like
2: no, this it's is my it's, life. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually more humorous. With this than this is like a big five foot tall roll of of you know horse hay that uh the and it's not netted it's banded you know with these like real grass strings or whatever and those popped on me as we start rolling it so it's literally unrolling like you put a piece of toilet paper on there and knocked it so it's like unspooling every few feet we get in there you know yeah it's
1: i have a really negative life history with hay i i just i can't i'm super allergic to it so mm. when I was a little kid, look, I was super small and weak when I was a little <laughs> kid and bucking hay like onto the trailers was uh-huh. like my enemy because like I'm super small and weak. So everyone's like, come on, we're going to go load hay. And I'm like, oh, man, this sucks. Right. And then I'd be sneezing
2: and oh, it was just terrible. So uh, I'm glad that didn't happen to me. <laughs> yeah. Done, though. Done, though. Horses have hay. They're good for a while. we <laughs> are good to go. It's done. It's off the list. But yeah, so that's that. Man. I've been a... Uh...
1: I've been, I've been, uh, hunting my tail off this season, but only in short bursts, only in short bursts. I need to be hunting more consistently. I've been so busy with life this season that my dogs have not been out as much as I wish. And it makes me sad. My, one of my, my good friends that I hunt with Justin, he and I used to hunt every weekend, sometimes more together. And because of life, I've only been able to hunt with him like four times this season. And it makes me want to cry. (laughs) <laughs> Is that
2: right? but but you say you're you're not like yeah uh, binging so what like three or four days back to back and then nothing for like two weeks or three weeks or something and then
1: that's the beauty uh, of salukis man yeah. i can take them out like two days in a row mm. you know so like i i was able to get them out sometimes three days a week and then have to put them away for like 10 days 14 mm. days yeah but yeah. they can handle it and they've been running good so
2: yeah possum's done my side out, and then I fly with the bird. He, uh, he's chewed up, man. He's <laughs> just running through bits and pieces. Like, like he got hurt, or he's just exhausted. He's just tired, man. He's just tired and running through. I don't run <laughs> him around like bad cactus. I don't have like choya near me, but I have a lot of prickly pear, you know. And then that'll get in there, and I always mm-hmm. pluck them and clean out as much as I can. But then every now and then, I'll get a little abscess, and I'll get that handled, and you just tired because we generally hunt every other day with him you know and and then just keeping up behind the whole all all of it combined you know like he's he's done he's he's ready for a break but the bird's done too now so i'm just gonna put her up today so
1: you know chad with with those two out you got nothing to do you don't have any other dogs or nothing (laughs) else you don't do anything else no then i get to
2: (laughs) then i get to focus 100 what are you going to do yeah (laughs) Then I get to focus 100% on the lion hounds until that season's over. And then, and then all this bird dog stuff is fun. I like to generally, I don't know what it is. The end of the season, I always, I always get like a, like a game bird hair and, and try and pursue them as much as possible. <laughs> right now I'm chasing the chucker. And then, and then of course the quail, you know, the, the New Mexico quail. Uh, so New Mexico. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's an awesome place. I love I, it. I, uh... I love it. I always love y'all's food. Well, gosh, you guys have the best food, uh, by far. Okay. You know. What's
1: your favorite food? What's your favorite
2: food? Oh gosh, anything uh, down there, you know? Okay. It's uh, all right. So now I will say you guys got the best food, but it's all just different variants of the same thing. You got nachos, they're bite-sized hard shell stuff with meat, lettuce, tomato. You got soft tacos. <laughs> so it's the same thing, but on a soft tortilla, then you got a burrito. It's a bigger tortilla, you know? Like, so if you like Mexican food, you like it all, or you don't like it at all. So uh, I'm just going to say so me- true. That's Mexican so true. food that actually has some heat to it. Cause I like hot stuff. Generally you go anywhere else. Like uh, if I go by Colorado, it's generally like spicy ketchup, you know? Um, you come down to New Mexico and you say like, what kind of salsa do you want? Is you know, the hot stuff. You, they can hurt you. If you're not paying attention, they will hurt you. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I've, I've always had
1: Hispanic girlfriends and, uh, my whole life just cause they're plentiful and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so, man, and just by the way this world is here, I can eat crazy spicy food. And, uh, when I go other places, I'm like, hey, like, what's the, because I'll be honest, though, just because I can eat crazy spicy doesn't mean I enjoy it. I like food that doesn't hurt. I like it with just a little, you know, just enough spice where, you, you know, you got a little little kick going on, but you're not freaking crying. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go to other places, and, and like in Kentucky, when I go to Kentucky to see family there, and and they're like, oh, yeah, this is really spicy. And I'm like, this is black pepper yo (laughs) like that's not spicy dude like yeah Yeah. but i'm telling you people are like i don't get green chili and i'm like i don't get you and i don't get why you're around me anymore (laughs) you need to leave (laughs) i don't need that negativeness in my life you
2: need to get out of here is what you need to get on my face (laughs) i had a green chili burger the other day oh dude you know down there and that was nice yeah Yeah. Oh, they're so good.
1: To anyone listening here, go get a real green chili cheeseburger. And when I was in East Texas, people were like, have you ever had Hatch green chili? I'm like, dude, I live 20 minutes away from Hatch, yo. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get a 50 pound sack every year. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, <laughs> do yourself a favor, world. Get yourself a real green chili cheeseburger. It'll change your life. I'm, I'm literally salivating right now. So yeah. uh, we need to change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah oh man I've uh I see that yeah you you have been in New Mexico what what were you up to Chad
2: chasing chasing quail I got I I hunt chucker here where I live um I got I got chucker here and that's about the only game bird I have aside from some mountain forest grouse like some duskies some rough um but as far as uh you know um a lot of the pointing game I enjoy the pointing dogs with uh with the chucker as much um more more so than the grouse The grouse are nice too but it's I, I don't know it's different this is a story for another another time but I don't have any quail you know and those are great for getting dogs started not because they're easier I'm not, they're not I'm not gonna just say oh they're you know chuck are hard and quail are easy they, they're a different kind but for the types of dogs I have they're busy you know and they'll they'll pop up in these big coveys, and you know a dog that's like oh, I kind of like feathers they get time to like run around and chase after them and You know, generally when you get into them, you can find a few of them. You know, so I got a I I got a buddy down there, Tyler Sladen, that is, you know, a a quail maestro. You know, and (laughs) uh, and he helped me out. You know, he's got a few good spots that he can put some of my younger dogs in. You know, and get them started on quail and uh, put the chucker behind them for a little while. And it was it was a blast, man. All the dogs did great. Everybody either. I got a little cocker, Jolene, and she got, she got some, she's famous, dude. She's famous. (laughs) She's, she's a ball of energy, man. Everybody loves her. Uh, but she got some flushes and some retrieves and, uh, all my other dogs either got a, you know, everybody got a point. Someone got a point and a retrieve. So like, it was just a great trip for me. And then we got to fly the bird. Um, and that was kind of cool. Um, and she's done now. So yeah, that's, that's what I've been up to. Um, I wonder if we're going to hear an elaboration of your trip.
1: Wait a minute. Oh, <laughs> it just so happens. <laughs> yeah, Tyler got some awesome... Co- uh, uh, Chad got some awesome content with Tyler, you guys. So stay tuned. Uh, Tyler's had a... He is indeed an upland maestro. So in uh, and, and typical all mixed up form, we're going to bring you guys something that's totally new for the Houndsman XP
2: experience. Yeah, he breaks it down just a little bit about everything. He's He's got, you know, uh, the, the word slam is tossed around in so so many different varieties. So <clears throat> the easy way to say it is he's he's bagged every critter, every upland bird that you can get in the lower 48, you know? That's so um, red Yeah. That's super red. And he kind of gives a breakdown for all of them, all the different types of quail here in the U.S. and, you know, pheasants, uh, uh, woodcock, snipe, uh, the different varieties of grouse. You know, uh, all of it. it's, it's pretty cool. And just, just a little taste of each of them. You know, I learned a lot. I I really enjoyed it. So uh, I hope you guys do too. I,
1: I've said this before on the show, so I'm not going to go too deep into it, but everyone here in New Mexico, and I'm doing this with air quotes now has a bird dog (laughs) and 95% of the time, it's just them screaming at a bad dog all day long. (laughs) So I really want to experience like a crystal clear pointer hunt. I've hunted over Michael Sula's spaniel and that was really fun and she is really productive, but I want to see, I love that it's, it is the only word is romantic. And I don't mean that obviously in the like love way. I mean that in like the, the like grandiose show way of like a pointer, just like locked on boom Mm -hmm. and like another dog behind it, honoring it. Like post it up.
2: That is so rad. Like the setters, the the flagging tail, waving in the wind with the tall grass seeds. And it's, yeah.
1: I've never seen a setter in person before. Everyone here has pointers. Everyone that I've ever seen has English or German short hair pointers. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I I wanted to come with you guys so bad. I was R-E-K-T wrecked (laughs) from my Nafka hunt. I was on the day before and there was no way. I was going to be able to make it with you guys the next day. Mm-hmm. I was like a dead man on two feet. It was but
2: still feeling pretty good about yourself though. Right. I mean, Oh
1: man. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm grinning ear to ear. So, uh, how'd you do? I, how'd you do? I, 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 there was, I think there was, uh, I, I can't remember. If there was, a I think there was 11 Salukis. Let me see. Yeah. I think there was either nine, nine through 11 Salukis competing. And, um, my dog strider got first uh, what, what, what place Com- what was that
2: what'd you say what oh,
1: yeah he got first he, he got said first. first
2: right <laughs> very nice yeah. Com- man that's that's dependable,
1: man uh, i was pretty happy with him I'm I'm, I'm I'm i uh i've learned so much you know just expanding my horizons keeping an open mind meeting new people and uh you know nafka national open field coursing association they they do judged coursing and I didn't understand it when I first started. And, um, there's, there's, there's a lot of camps as we all know in every dog hunting community, but, uh, I didn't know anything about it and I wasn't going to make any judgments about it until I experienced it for myself. The idea of judged coursing seemed kind of weird to me. Cause it was like, what do you, what do you mean a dog can win if it doesn't catch the rabbit? So that's how I, you know, was initially skeptical, but now that I've been doing it, uh i understand a lot more of the nuance of it and it does it's a great way to compare your dogs i mean that's Mm -hmm. the point of nafka is to compare your dog against another dog of the same breed the rabbit is just a stand-in to make your dogs run really fast you know (laughs) you know what i mean like it's gonna dogs are always gonna run better on live game than they are on a lure and so uh even though a lure is a lot more predictable to find (laughs) than a jackrabbit as you know um uh it was a blast. Yeah, and Strider did great. Comet got fourth, my young Saluki Comet. Nice. He's um he he's got a really beautiful beautiful athletic body. Um and he's young, he's grown into it. Uh Strider, man, I mean, he's 3 years old. He's got everything I'm looking for in a Saluki. He's agile, he's got the absolute heart of a just He's in it to win it every time. He's crazy consistent. And so when I got there, I knew he was going to do really good. He always does good. That's that's what I love about him. And uh, man, the we were hunting so we there was we needed four rabbits. We needed to find four hares. Uh we found the first two in about an hour and a half, which was pretty nice. And yeah. then we had a 5-hour death march to find our next one. And dude, so I'll break it down to folks. You're in a line. It's called a gallery. And you're just in like a long line of people all walking in a line formation and you're just walking forward across the prairie. And then you get to a set point and then the hunt master will say, all right, gallery stop, right gallery, wheel around, left gallery, stay in place. And so you'll just spin around and do 180 and walk the other direction. And you're just combing the grass until a jackrabbit jumps up. And because you have to be within 10 feet of them to make them run. So you just got to walk along. And it is, you know, Michael Sula... He was like, sometimes it's so weird hunting with sighthounds because they feel like they're like the only dog where they're not expected to produce the game. You are.
2: Mm. And
1: it's like, yeah, that's true. It's kind of weird when you think about it. Like if you're open, if you're hunting without leashes, without slipping a dog, um, sighthounds will go out and find a jackrabbit, but not like a hound. You know what I mean? That's going out on like a 10 mile race to catch to tree a lion or a bear you got, they got to stay close. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, anyway, so finally after five hours, we jumped our rabbit. Uh, I sent Strider and there was two other dogs competing with him. He took a strong lead. He never lost it. The chase went 1.5 miles. It was awesome, dude. Um, we could see 90% of it. We were on foot and, uh, we could actually see about 99% of it and it was beautiful. He's wearing a pink little racing jacket. So you could just see this little pink blur way out there in the distance just screaming out there and I had a great time. Yeah, I I could I was I didn't want to seem like that guy, but I knew he won that race. I knew it. I mean, he oh, yeah. was just oh yeah, he was just being a little beast. So uh it was exciting. I had a great time. Uh, I definitely I love the community those that those people there the the Saluki community in New Mexico they're really kind people um they're very uh dedicated to keeping our lifestyle going which I really appreciate and uh they really just love watching a good rabbit race and trying to have the best Salukis around which I can really get behind that yeah. so uh, <laughs> it's fun when you find a community of folks that uh that you get along with and and uh yeah I had a great time Anyway, long story short, I had a great time and uh, I definitely will be coming back next season more. <laughs> I want to go. Thanks Paul. I and go. Thank you, Karen. Yeah. Come with me,
2: dude. <laughs> yeah. That's the idea. But yeah. i with
1: us. We'll 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 do it. We'll do It'll it next be year. fun. We'll do it next year. Get, bring your track shoes. You discovered how hard jacks are to find, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> At oh, least yeah. right now. At least right now. It's no surprise you're uh, obviously a familiar hair hunter, but you were in it. I know exactly where you were when you went hunting here in New Mexico, and I was like,
3: "You're gonna have a long day." <laughs>
2: we did, we did, and I didn't have the horse, so uh, I had to walk it, which is tragic, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> tragic. <laughs> yeah, I feel tragic anytime I have to walk and hunt
2: too. I know how you feel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it was a great time. Not a great time too um so uh what do you think wanna wanna listen to it i think we'll roll
1: right into it man we let's do it yeah let's listen to it so uh uh chad lead us in brother i always lead us in it's your time this is your show man all right let's see um
2: yeah just just that um met up with you know veteran uh quail you know uh quail hunter uh setter uh setter guy Um, down in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico and uh, traveled, traveled, you know, that whole area, getting, um, getting after scaled and gambles quail. And uh, then we had a lot of fun with that. And then our talk with Tyler is just him, him um, uh, uh, touching briefly on all, all the game birds in the lower 48 that he's bagged, you know, all of all, but one he did this year, you know, but in previous years he's, he's done all of them, you know, but yeah. So that's what it is. give it a shot all right guys i'm down here with uh tyler slayton and we're gonna talk about some upland game we're down in new mexico how you doing man i'm pretty good how about yourself i'm doing fine a little worn out just a little bit from all the walking we've been doing uh i was down here getting my dog started uh i kind of do a lot of fur with my my draughts uh, more than anything and and a little bit of chucker hunting and some some waterfowl but I don't, I don't really have any quail around me, you know? So I, I you know, called on my buddy, and brought my dogs down here and the Falcon, and we gonna have a little bit of fun and get my dogs kind of started on quail, you know, uh, maybe get after some scaled quail or some gambles and we got both. Um, but, uh, uh, figured, uh, Tyler would be an awesome guy to get me started. You know, he's an English setter guy. Um, but. Yeah, we, we got everybody started. Everybody got a point. Either got to flush one, point one, or or retrieve one. Um
3: so it wasn't bad. We kinda took us where we go, Tyler? Was it somewhere south? Yeah, we went we went about a couple hours south of Albuquerque, um, central New Mexico, that whole Rio Grande, um Rocky Mountain corridor that goes through the center of the state. I'm still picking all
2: those seeds out of my, <laughs> out of my boot. My, my boots look like they have fur on them. You know, like, uh, what what are those called? Those little, it's not the foxtails. It was those
3: little ones that like stuck into the ends of my boots and all the dog's pads. What was that? It's a, it's a type of three on, um, in the last year we've gotten rain that I haven't seen in the five years we've lived here and it sprouted this grass everywhere from, the texas border all the way to the arizona border and it's it gets in dog's feet it gets in your boots if it gets in your socks you might want to just throw them away um, <laughs> I, I got something in my pants right now honestly you know that's a, a rancher i ran into down there i i asked him because usually they know their grasses and i was like what is this and he's like oh that's ass itching grass <laughs> and uh <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, why do you call it that? He's like, because once it gets in your pants, it'll migrate its way up your pants and cause you to itch. And, uh, he wasn't lying. Yeah. That you get one in your sleeve and you're like, where is it? Get it out of my sleeve.
2: Yeah, when the when the uh the little cocker came back with one of those quail, and you know, I kneeled down and I'm encouraging her, you know, she's just getting the hang of this, you know, and I'm I'm praising her really big. But she put both paws on my chest and rubbed her belly on me. And I mean, I was pumped, you know, I was, you know, good girl. Just having a great time. Got it out of her mouth stood up and I had these seeds from like my t-shirt collar all the way down to my belt buckle, you know? So I spent the rest of the time trying to pluck what I can out and then just said the heck with it and dealt with it. But, uh, it was, it was an experience. It, It surely was an experience. so yeah i got that pulled out of most of the dog's paws and everything uh now uh what i found is unique about it is it really doesn't get underneath their pads at all it's mainly
3: in between their toes on the top side right i mean yeah that little that little pocket between each toe it's like a i don't know how to describe it or the word for it but it just it'll just pile in there and it'll look like little brooms have accumulated in between each toe.
2: Yeah. I was thinking it looked like, you know, like if uh, there's a dead piece of meat or a dead animal on the ground and all the flies that lay all their eggs on it, there's
3: little white lines, a bunch of those. Yeah. Uh, If you don't pull it out too, it'll, it'll abscess and then their feet swell. And even if you do pull it out, their feet do swell. Like usually the next day, regardless of how good you are about pulling it out your your dogs look foot sore but it's it's from those it's not from running
2: gotcha and and I again it, it that's typical for it to only be on the top side no I mean not that it's never on the bottom but like it was 95 percent of it was on top
3: in the webbing yeah you'll yeah. find like 100 between each toe for like every three in the bottom of the foot it's I just thought that was weird You'll, you'll you'll they'll get it it's the cockers get it bad because they're low to the ground as do the yags um they'll get it in their chest and on their legs sometimes whereas the setters and the bigger dogs they just get it in their feet yeah and then you know, we, we got lucky with the Choya. there's a bunch of Choya cactus all over there t- what kind of choya is that uh, that's mm-hmm. a type of staghorn choya, so there's many types of choya, but the the type of choya that scaled quail frequent here is a, it's called staghorn um it's, it looks like tree choya but it's not as strong um mm-hmm. so if the dog runs into it it kind of just breaks whereas like tree choya like you could kick it and it's going to kick back mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that
2: stuff's nasty they are trying to pluck that out but you know as long as they don't get on top of it you know you're generally pretty good and I don't have any really nasty cactus by me. It's mainly just prickly pear. So they, they, they know to step around it. Um, but nothing debilitating, like we're dancing around up here. Uh, but yeah, so we got into the, got into some scaled quail and got the dogs, some scale quail, and then also got a gambles. And that was, that was fun. Uh, had a lot of,
3: had a lot of fun with it. And that's, that's your favorite though. ain't it Tyler scaled quail of all the upland. Yeah. of all the upland and I've hunted every single one in the lower 48. Um, I haven't hit Alaska. I haven't hit Hawaii, but scaled quail, or if I had to pick one to hunt the rest of my life, that'd be it. Okay. So that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of birds. And like, like you say, the lower 48, how many, how many Uh, different species of upland are there? I only count 18. Um, there's 18 species that are traditionally hunted over pointing dogs. There's other upland birds, but, they're just—they're not a dog you would hunt over a pointing dog. They're just a bird you would hunt like it's a turkey or a deer, and that's not really what I yeah. align upland with. All right, so give them to me. What what are they? So you got you got three species of forest grouse. You got your spruce grouse, your blue grouse, and your uh, rough grouse. Your blue grouse break down into duskies and sooties. Um, All right then you've got your prairie grouse which are sage grouse uh prairie chicken and sharp tail um sharp tail break down into a few as do prairie chickens Um, and then your quail you've got six species of quail uh you got montezuma scaled quail gambles quail california quail uh mountain quail and then bobwhite and then you've got woodcock uh snipe pheasant and then you've got the partridge uh which are chucker and hungarian partridge um, or gray partridge they're often called and then you've also got in the lower 48 white-tailed ptarmigan the other two species of ptarmigan you'd have to go to alaska for which are rock and willow uh hawaii has a a ton of exotics that aren't aren't native right i imagine um and that's that's it i'm not i don't think i'm missing any there man that's a lot and you've
2: you've hunted all of those except for the ones in alaska correct wow um like how many different states does it take i mean
3: like that, that's uh, are they all over or are they like that's theoretically you could probably you could do all the quail in two states you could do all the grouse in two more states so and then could you do you would have to go to another state for woodcock um and ptarmigan so you could probably do it all in about six states um i did 11 states this year this year this year wow
2: (laughs) <laughs> a lot, of miles. A lot, a lot of, of miles. I wanted to
3: travel, man. I wanted to finish it out, but I also wanted to do it all in one season. I didn't. I was. I was able to finish it out. I wasn't able to do it all in a season. I fell short by one species this year, and that was a, a mountain quail. And I'm okay with that. I've killed them before. I've I've hunted them in California. And right. But, so you've
2: got them all. You were just kind of wanting to see if you could do them all in one season, not just multiple seasons.
3: Yeah, I was in the process of finishing it out and then I was like, Well, why don't I just do it all in one season and I wasn't able to do it and it it was it was just I mountain quail, I wasn't able to swing it. Could I have? Probably, but it just wasn't my goal. There was a lot of people that I hadn't hunted with that I've talked to for years that I wanted to hunt with and that was kind of more of a priority and the other priority was getting a lot of young dogs into a lot of birds.
2: Yeah, getting your puppies going. Yeah. It's always a It's always a,
3: a busy revolving door, you know. It's always understated too how many how many birds it takes to make a dog what you would call a bird dog just shooting some birds over a bird dog isn't isn't what I would So mine aren't experts, is what you're saying? I
2: mean, they're, they should be professionals now they had like two full days of quail hunting
3: now they're they're pros right oh no, yeah it's there there's things that take years and like like i've got a dog named gamora who will uh track run and scaled quail and then break off if if they keep running and she'll swing wide and around them and pin them you can't teach that that they learn that on their own and there's the only way they learn that is miles and contacts right and, and well like, I'll have
2: to break the bad news to him.
3: <laughs> nah, we we all thought we were pros now, but all right. Well, all right. So, hey, I want to hear about him. I mean, my, my dogs aren't swimming behind a kayak for four hours while I chase coots around. Like yours,
1: <laughs>
2: <so>.
3: <laughs> Not behind it. In front. They pull me. They pull me. Uh,
2: it, it, what was Seth called it? Joring, I think, is where the the dogs or the horses pull you on skis and stuff like that. Now, yeah, kayak were... joring,
3: kayak joring with a draw. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you
2: invented it. <laughs> so, so all right. So, I want to hear about these. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, let's start with your favorite scaled quail. So, like, um, I know these species are going to be found in a bunch of different places. We're going to burn through a lot of them and just get quick stories about a lot. Um, but. Uh, I don't need to know everywhere they are, but like, let's say we're gonna cross scale quail off the off the list. Where'd you get into
3: them this for this this Uh, talk? I mean, I have them at home. I train puppies on them, but I did hunt them in Texas, uh, Arizona, as well this year, Um, and I hunted them a ton in New Mexico. Um, So tell me about them. What do you like about them so much? Uh, their range is huge. the The habitats they cover is it's vast it's different there's you can hunt them in cliffy rocky hills you can hunt them in uh, mesquite flats with grasses you can hunt them in creosote flats you can sometimes you'll run into them where they overlap with gambles and montezumas you can you can hunt them where they overlap with bob whites out east you can hunt them all the way up to colorado they exist in utah not in numbers but they, they do exist there
2: yeah they're trying to reintroduce them into a few different spots but they're just
3: not quite yeah we we, taken. R- we ran into them when we we're coyote hunting with seth and and you up there oh yeah 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 we did and then uh they i've heard stories they used to exist in nevada where like chucker lived which would have been a crazy two species day a scaled quail and a chucker. yeah it's like my two <laughs> favorite birds in the same spot yeah all right, so walk me through a hunt. Give me give me a hunt with scale Quail. Uh, with Scalies, I look for shin high grasses with a thick uh, escape cover, whether it be Shinnery Oak, uh, Mesquite, um, Desert Thorn, Hackberry something that can protect them from avian predators and bobcats and the alike. Um, And, and, and ruin my day. If I, if I stick my hand where it doesn't belong, stuff that hurts, stuff that you don't want to walk through. And (laughs) and usually those covers are within a softball throws range away from each other. So they want good grass between that. If they don't have that, they like good Rocky Hills or they like a good Rocky wash with uh, a lot of times, It'll go from rolling grasslands out here, and then you get to the washes, and there'll be junipers and different kinds of trees, uh, alligator junipers, um, and then there'll be deserts. Uh, I think they call it sand sage, skunk bush. Um, they also like soapweed. Soapweed is a type of yucca. It's okay. the little basketball yuccas. It. what do they
2: eat it or they just like to hang out in they
3: it? like to hang out in it i mean if you kick it it's going through whatever you're wearing it's like i said it's it's just another good escape cover um it's pretty gotcha all right so give me a hunt give me a hunt with one um most scaled quail um live in big coveys, 30 50 birds okay. uh, i'd say would be about normal in a normal year uh, a lot of times dogs will run into them Try to point them, they'll, they'll run a little bit, but when they run, they'll deposit like groups of two, three, five birds. And so that and like should, bre- like little breadcrumbs, huh? So they'll kind yeah. of take off in a mob and like drop little, little, little pairs there. And those, those deposits, they, they'll give you some really good dog work every now and then, or not even every now and then about half the time, you'll get good Covey rises off points. If you can, if you can keep up with your dogs, you can, you can get into them like that now if you're hunting slower those are the times where you tend to hunt and kick up those breadcrumbs those are the birds that get left behind Um, and then once the cubby erupts and breaks the singles hold incredibly well um, for dogs and that's when you get really nice stuff out of them not to say that you can't get nice dog work out of the cubbies but i'd say most of the time it's not always like that all right
2: and then kind of like the other day how the wind was blowing up this draw a little bit and and Kira rose out far enough and then winded them and kind of eased in until she had a good idea where they were and locked up. And that allowed me to get my puppies in, you know, my younger dogs in a little closer and, uh, you know, the big group got up, you know, we took a few shots at it.
3: Yeah. And they went everywhere. They went (laughs) every which way. I mean, we were, we were standing there kind of picking up the pieces and birds were just popcorn all around us. And, that scaled coil for you. And it's just, it's a party. I, I'll never get tired of it. Awesome. Um, so you got a, you got a, a favorite hunt you want to share with us or anything, you know, a, a colorful story. Uh, the other day, Yubi and I, we went out to Eastern New Mexico, um, out, out East of Roswell. And we were chasing scalies and bob whites where they overlap. Who walks 19 miles and put up 19 cubbies. Yeah, there you go. And that it's not as pretty as where I took you today, Mm -hmm. but it's, I don't care what it looks like if you're putting up 19 cubbies like that, there's no replacing that. Right. And this is without like a quail buggy in Texas. This is without feeders. This is, this is barren desert with just what, what would normally be there. Just walking them up mm-hmm how many dogs did you guys go through uh we ran two groups of four so we hunted first group till about lunchtime swapped them out and ran another four so eight dogs nice now how many did y'all end up getting uh we shot one shy of a two-man limit so 29 but 19 miles on your foot right not the dogs on mine yeah so for example kira who ran half the day ran 38 miles 38 miles that's uh yeah that'll do it that'll do it to put that in perspective there was a puppy that was kind of showing it had a little bit more go than i thought so i kept her on the ground all day her name's nova she did 33 miles in a full day okay so nice nice well that's kira was getting it right and that's Sanspur hell like that they probably would have covered more if they didn't have to stop to pick sand spurs out of their feet every two
2: And months. then
3: try and flick them out of their tongue. You yeah. Know? yeah it's, <laughs> That's, it's a two-step procedure.
2: First, you must grab the sand spur with your mouth, pull it out of your foot, and then try and tongue it or shake your head to get it out of your mouth. And I've
3: tried every which way. I've tried booting, and boots is just a, are just another friction point, and you end up with, all right, cool, and your dog doesn't have sand spurs, but now it's got rub points on the top of its foot. Like, it's just... No matter which way you look at it it's rough terrain right
2: all right so okay cool so let's let's go through some of these what's another quail then that you want to talk about uh montezuma's those are the gorgeous ones right with the white the, like the bright white faces right yeah
3: some of the locals they'll call them clown quail i can uh, see that you'll hear them called mern's quail um i montezuma that's it's their original name that's i mean they, they go all the way down to southern mexico that's that's what they're called throughout their range um all right so tell me some give me give me a little tidbit about them they're they're pretty unique so they they don't they don't really handle snow well they 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 need they're the one quail that when you're looking for them you have a little bit more than footprints to look for you can look for diggings and these diggings are where they're digging for tubers and that's what they eat um I've found acorns in their crops and stuff, and the oaks that they live in. But okay. a lot of the New Mexican range that they have, there is no oaks, so that it, they they eat other things. So they're mostly eating tubers. Um, this year, I wanted to hunt them on every mountain range they live on in New Mexico, and I came one mountain range shy of hunting them on all of them. Um, lots of people go to arizona and hunt them and arizona has incredible merns habitat or montezuma habitat whatever you want to call them um, but new mexico has a ton too and now the numbers are never really where arizona's are but it's it's a lot nicer to spend a whole season hunting them and i only ran into one bird hunter all season whereas arizona um, i had people drop in on top of me and it a lot of times it's it's not on purpose you drop in on the top of the canyon they drop in on the south and you meet in the middle and it's it's unintentional but you see dog boxes everywhere you go to the dog or you go to the gas station there's dog boxes in new mexico you just don't see that the only the only hunters i ever really come across in new mexico are deer hunters or houndsmen chasing uh lions um and they're you know awesome gentlemen and ladies to i like them i i tell them where i i tell them where i've seen lion tracks and they're
2: no from now on i need all those in text format to myself with the gps (laughs) coordinate we don't share that with anybody else that uh that all needs to go right here to me
3: i've run into three or four of them this year and they all had mules which to me that's that's cool to to trek across the new mexican desert on a mule with a pack of hounds like Kind of hard to get a little bit more american than that yeah that's that's awesome some of their rigs the big big diesel trucks with dog boxes with mules on top of them like no trailer that's that's a cool way to do it yeah we can all dream i'm getting i'm working on it i got my horse with a bird i don't I
2: haven't really worked factored the horse in with the hounds yet um you need a mule man yeah i, I, I don't know I, it's a lot of fences it's kind of getting my way but they do it i need to talk to Few more guys see how they how they how they make it happen i know they do that mule jumper thing where they like some folks will throw like a blanket over the bob wire and get off and get over and they'll like
3: flat foot over it but well down here a whole mountain range will have three roads going into it sometimes yeah you're yeah yeah and there's no snow to cut a track on oh well there'll be no roads going down in the canyon i feel you i feel you
2: i go on foot i just don't know how i'd i don't know if i can make the best of it but let's ah. I, I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about these birds. So give give me give me a hunt with your Montezumas, then, man. Right, walk walk us through that. Try because they're they're not found in the, like the flat stuff we were at today. You know, they're it's overgrown a little bit more. So I mean,
3: that's got to be they interesting. love they love hills. Um, the more I find them here, the less I realize I know about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can find them pretty consistently. Like, consistently when I go to Arizona, um, this year was a good year for them. Most of the ones we shot were birds of the year, um, which means they had a good hatch and that's that's great to see um however everywhere i found them this year just did not look like where i found them before and it just add it, it just adds to the areas you need to check for them um a lot of times it's sometimes it's knee high grass here um they they'll be on the uh, it's it's really hard to nail down um and I'm I'm, wor- I'm still working at it um we did find a lot this year though so so there's that um let's see uh for example this year we were out um young gentleman by the name of Josh Poole he came out oh we know Josh he's a friend of the show he uh man That is like the most enthusiastic bird hunter I've met in a long time. Is that right? He just has a gumption to him and he came out and he had his Walmart home defense shotgun and a a pair of square toe cowboy boots and the same blue hoodie. I think he's worn all year and uh, he had a young setter and a a young uh, short hair and uh, he wanted to scratch off all the New Mexico species of quail and we got him on to scalies and Bob White, but then when he came out um towards towards where i live we took him out for scalies and gambles and we were out at this one spot that i, I just i just e scouted it. it looked like a good area and uh yubi him and myself we were out there we we're hunting scalies and gambles and yubi and i just kept looking over at these other mountains we're like that looks like it would hold montezuma's and we went back out there the next day and we put up like five cubbies uh now we walked like 12 miles and uh josh's feet were sore from his his cowboy boots the day before so he went out in sneakers and this like circles back to the grass seeds we were talking about and oh gosh <laughs> his sneakers were one giant grass seed when we were done and um I think he's since bought some some hunting boots i'm not sure
2: is that right i i imagine he has was it that same three on stuff same three
3: on stuff gosh you could sweep a four with your boots after that i'm i i can only imagine but that dude did 12 miles in the desert in sneakers um i don't envy his feet right (laughs) screw that but made it happen though right yeah he made it happen there we go uh it it was it was cool to see i know a lot of new mexico residents that haven't shot montezuma here so um granted josh had help from us but his dog found some and he uh he shot some and he's just sitting there holding it smiling and i was like i just i hope you realize how big of a deal that is And Mm -hmm. he does now but it was it was funny in the moment he was just like heck yeah he was just all excited right <clears throat> all right so
2: okay so then tell me about uh, let's see uh everybody knows bob white right that's the that's the stereotypical whistle
3: yeah that everybody knows about what i like about bob white in new mexico is first of all they they overlap with scalies so the cool thing when you hunt quail where there's overlap is when your dog's on point you're like i i don't know what they're pointing and that to me will never get old and not only do they overlap with scalies they overlap with prairie chickens which are endangered here but it's still cool to see them and mm-hmm. even found some pheasant out there so four species of upland in one spot in new mexico that's it's pretty cool it's good time that's that's a party um but it's it, it looks nothing like bob white of missouri of which i've hunted a lot of or bob white and farther east Texas it's 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 a desert Bob White, almost and that that to me is cool they're, they're living in sand dunes and in and, and the oaks and the uh thistle and around all the yucca with the scalies which is that's special all right now do they perform a little different do they they respond
2: a little different when they get pressured by like hunter or dog are they You know, like I've always heard, and I've heard you talk about before, the scalies like to run, you know, so your dog will get a good point on them and they'll kind of like slip out the back door, you know. Um, Do they, do they
3: about the same or like, is there anything unique? Have I seen Bob White run? Yes, I've seen every species of quail run, but Bob White have a tendency to not run. And they, they tend to be, I mean, they call them gentlemen bobs for a reason. They, you can pretty reliably get a point on them, take a picture admire it, get ready, take a drink of water, walk in and flush. And <laughs> it's not a rush. And I coming from primarily scalies where it's cool, the dog found them. You have time and they will hold, but they're not going to wait all day for you. All right. Now, is that, do you think that's genetic or maybe because of the brush they're found in or maybe, not maybe that, both? That's just know. their genetic predisposition. Gotcha. I mean, you get Bob White's to get heavy pressure. I mean, they're going to, they're going to start to be less polite i mean any any bird any wild animal really will but generally they're 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 pretty polite gotcha and that to run puppies on that is hard to beat
2: yeah all right now okay so I, I got one more i want to ask you about the the mountain quail you mentioned that
3: earlier and that's the one with the big old noodle on its head right i mean that's the the biggest yeah they're the largest in size um, not always in weight montezuma quail can can weigh as much as some mountain quail however mountain quail are way taller way bigger um okay i they were the only species this year i wasn't able to bring to bag and i've done it before but i'm gonna hold that against you for forever i know shame yeah dishonor on me <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they're cool i mean they they pretty much range the entire state of california all the way to through Oregon Washington into Idaho even and then uh far western Nevada um so they like mountains I take it the Sierras they love Is that right? they, they like mountains they like rainforest they like briars they like rocks um I'd like to hunt more of them uh but it just wasn't in the cards this year gotcha um all right. Well,
2: there's some other quail, but I mean, I, I, I don't want this to be a quail show. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about some of these others. I'd, I'd like to get your take on it, you know? So let's see. I don't know. Um,
3: let's go into some of the grouse. Pick me a grouse. Tell me about a grouse. So the only species of grouse um, this year that I needed to kind of complete like the lower 48 list to uplands, mm-hmm. it was a spruce grouse and then depending on how you list them. I wanted a Colombian sharptail. Um, there's, I mean, it's a Colombian sharptail, still a sharptail and I've, I've upon a sharptail, it's a sharptail with sprinkles. Is there, like, is there something different no, about so it? So the cool thing about Colombian sharptail is they don't, they don't live on low elevation prairie, like 3000, 4000 feet. The ones I shot were up near 8000 feet and they were near trees and okay, that was cool. And, uh, they're supposedly they're a little bit smaller, um, and they were in very thick cover and so I was able to do those this year. And then, uh, I was able with the help of my friend Bailey, uh, check off spruce grouse, spruce grouse, Or They're in Montana, Idaho, uh, Minnesota. I went to Minnesota to do it, but that wasn't the only reason I went to Minnesota. I've shot rough grouse in a few States, um, not deemed the Northwoods. So. wanted to go do it where it was iconic and it was worth it um i would go do it again every year is that right it's just such a special place it was to see that much contiguous habitat that holds grouse was something worth seeing something anyone that hunts upland birds should see
2: and that's like i mean like i like to hunt the blues near me you know uh, the the blue grouse and uh that's like aspens and and you know that i i call it black timber i don't even know what it's really called (laughs) but 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 that that's you know there's a lot of room you know in between and they have their own you know challenges but like where you're hunting these spruce grouse is like thick
3: right i mean like you have trouble like swinging your shotgun sometimes right so the spruce grouse weren't as thick as the rough grouse up there but it was it was very mature timber but what was cool was like these blankets of moss all across the forest floor oh okay i was up near the boundary waters of canada like that that in itself is something we're seeing and then the other thing was i wasn't really familiar with great lake weather and it, i guess it really is its own weather system and one day i hunted in pretty heavy heat uh snow rain ice and uh then it was sunny again and that was all in one day <laughs> you hear that a lot you know but you know oh if it, it's you don't like the weather just wait but no, to that, go was, from... that was truly a place where and then like you drive an hour and the weather was different um uh so that was that was a cool place and then i had hunted all morning in the snow and the snow melt off and when you're in that old growth forest when the snow is melting it just falls down your shirt the whole time and it's just it's a pretty brutal experience um that's uh horrible to me i can think of a few
2: things that i I I dislike more than a glob of slushy snow hitting me right on the back of the neck in front of the hood. Uh, It's
3: yeah, no, it's not fun. Um, Not a fan, not a fan at all. So we had hunted all, all morning for him. And then uh, Bailey and AJ peeled off and they sent me some areas further north. And I went and checked him out and ran Kira and Kira pointed uh, a handful of rough grouse. And I was able to bring two and then, I had like an hour or two left of daylight and she pointed and uh, a spruce grouse came up and I was able to grab one and I was glad I got a, a really nice adult male. It's actually out of taxidermis right now. It's by far the prettiest bird I've ever held in my hand. Is that right? Are those are ones with the red? Yeah, they've got like a red eye comb. Okay. And then okay. they've got, they're just like this dark, there's just so many colors and patterns on them. But two on that same hunt. I mean, you got the you got the rough and the
2: spruce like on the same hunt. Yeah. The same hunt. Awesome. And man. I did it over my favorite
3: dog, right? And she's been around. She's, she she travels, man. She was there with me for all of it. Um I've I've now shot every upland bird in the contiguous 48 that uh There is over her and I've even shot doves off her points. I've actually even shot ducks off her points. Uh, (laughs) One time we were in Wyoming and she went on point and I walked in a group of teal got up like if it's a bird and it's on the ground, she's going to point it.
2: There you go. There you go. Uh, So that, that was rough grass and spruce, right? So, I mean, did you get that? You mentioned the Colombian. I mean, did you,
3: yeah, I was able to get Colombian uh, over in Colorado. There's some spots where Colombian overlap with, uh, sage grouse and blue grouse
2: okay don't tell me you got both of them on the same hunt too i did not okay all right same day yes Same. oh hunts. gosh all right all right so break that down like walk me because i've never hunted sage grouse i've i've never i've
3: seen one driving by but i've never been on a sage grouse hunt. so i wasn't in colorado for when sage grouse was open so i shot up to montana for a day hunt uh to shoot some sage grouse mm-hmm. um and it was kind of funny um kira who's never messed with porcupines got into a porcupine oh, and, and usually she runs away from them. and she was messing with a porcupine and while i was looking at her she was kind of off in the distance i was looking at her trying to pull quills at her face and before she even made it her way back to me i turned and i looked and one of my puppies was on point and i was like no way and uh a bunch of sage grouse got up and I've shot sage grouse before, but I really only care for like a big male sage grouse and uh, a couple of hens got up and then another wave of hens got up and then a couple males got up and I was able to shoot a nice male for my puppy. For the pup. And uh, it was kind of funny, like my best dog's messing with a porcupine while I'm shooting bomber sage grouse for my puppy <laughs> yeah, which puppy was this? his uh it's, his name's Groot you might know him as Grootius Maximus <laughs> Groot. chug, chug, a chug a Groot Groot <laughs> uh, is all right all right where'd Groot come from uh Groot came from uh skedaddle setters over in um northern california uh Britt Forrester, he bought skedaddle setters like 20 years ago, something like that. And I've heard names, them, his name's quite a few times. Continued breeding those dogs, and I've liked every dog I've seen come out of that kennel. Um, well, I, I hunted with Groot's sister last year for Tarmigan, and her name's Blossom. You be on and when I saw her, I immediately called Britt, and I was like, are you, are you going to make that cross again? He's like, yeah, why? And I was like, I want to be first on your list for a male because Blossom is one of the most well-put-together setters and nicest setters I've hunted over. Very handsome for a female. Yeah. You know, not dainty
2: or brittle and not, like, you know, big and in her own way either, but... Yeah, her her structure
3: is perfect. Her demeanor is perfect. uh, Groot looks like a male version of her, and that was exactly what I wanted. So that's where Groot came from. All right. So, okay, so Grouse... Grouse, what do we talk about? We got our roft. we got our spruce, we did sage and Colombian. So uh, as far as what's left, there's regular prairie sharp tail. Mm-hmm. We were able to get into some in Nebraska and then prairie chickens, which I also went to Nebraska for. Gary, Gary Shaw and I, we, we walked 20 miles one day looking for them and we found some and then we were actually able to get, get our limit in like the last hour. Like we went all day without shooting a bird. Walk 20 miles and then did shot you see them. any we saw a couple and then that last like hour and a half we were just seeing them everywhere and uh we shot a two-man limit in like that last hour and a half now were
2: you on your way back to the truck because that's when i that's when the magic happens for me no, it's like when it, i'm finally like i'm
3: done there's the truck and here it goes yeah i, I can't tell you how many times i've shot birds while i'm look, <laughs> looking at my truck um <laughs> no uh we, it was the last spot and I don't know, if, if you've never hunted in Nebraska, they have this stuff called ditch weed, and it just grows everywhere, and it's it's basically hemp, but it looks like big marijuana plants. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's like as far as you can see, and lo and behold, there's prairie chickens galore and that stuff, and there was also a pheasant in there, too.
2: I've never even heard of
3: that. Okay, so hold on. So this is, this is a giant plant. It looks like... Uh, uh,
2: a marijuana plant, you know, hemp, I guess. Yeah. And it just grows wild? It just, it just grows
3: everywhere. And it's like over your head in some spots. That's different. And evidently, the uh, some of the birds like it. Yeah. And the same reason a stoner would not. It's filled with seeds. Okay. There so all the go. buds have seeds on it. And they eat that, and they eat that. So these huh. we got stoner chickens. That's probably why you got to shoot those. They yeah, they're qu- slow on the draw. They're a little slow on the up and up. There you go. <laughs> okay. All right. And you said a pheasant in there too. There was pheasant in there when we were shooting chickens, though it wasn't pheasant season. But dogs okay. are pointing. Gotcha. Pointing birds left and right and walk in pheasant, chicken, pheasant, chicken, and that's that's kind of cool. All right, so that'll go down in my little notebook. The the prairie chickens like. <laughs> like the pot they're 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 fa- <laughs> they're yeah where they were in nebraska wasn't like where i've hunted them other places but that's that's bird hunting
2: yeah gosh all right so then all right so i'm curious about these woodcock because i've seen them i've seen them as a kid you know here and there and not when i used to hog hunt all the time um they, you know, scare the hell out of me I yeah. mean, more than anything. I would just be walking around, looking at my Garmin, thinking about yelling at a dog to get it back. And then out of, you know, I'm pushing through some brush and then out from under my feet, I nearly messed my britches. You know, this is not, not, not something I'm expecting while I'm trying to chase a pig. Um, is, that, is that
3: normal? I, they got a long beak too. What are they all about? So they're, they're a migratory bird. They breed along the northern United States and Canada, and then they migrate down. Um, I actually caught the migration good. When I went to Minnesota, I was hunting with Kyle Peterson and, uh, AJ Kalupa. And we, they just, they kept telling me, they're like, oh, you're going to be here the perfect week. And I've never, it was crazy. We were flushing woodcock left and right and dogs are finding them. And, um, they're a cool bird. They like, they come up in your face and then they fly out. Um, I scared the hell out of. me if it wasn't for the tree (laughs) cover they live in they'd be the easiest bird i've ever shot at but they're it's such a fun hunt um i wish people talked about how much fun it was more other than the people that live where they're at like it's they're a bird worth traveling to go hunt in my opinion they're just when you get into them you get into them and they're just just all around fun dog works good on them always they hold nice and they flush at your feet. and
2: I know of a guy that
3: actually does the thing
2: where they'll go out and point them with their dogs. And then they'll ease up behind the dog with a net, right? And
3: I I think they, it's how they ban some of them or something like that. And they'll like cast the net out in front and back. I'm not too sure on how they do it with adults. I know uh, Bailey Peterson, her dogs will point them and they're steady enough that... Her dogs will point nests and they'll go in and they'll ban the nests in the spring. Oh, okay. So they're just the young, they hand catch them. Yeah. Um, however, they do catch spruce grouse with like, I don't know what it's called, but it looked like a fly fishing rod with like a noose on the end and her dogs would point the spruce grouse up there and they would like noose him around the neck and then radio track them. Really?
2: So they're, they're, okay. and they have
3: videos of it. I, just like a little extension pole, like a pruning thing or literally like a limmer with like know? a slip knot on the end. because <laughs> I guess the males they display on these low branches, so they walk into the dog point and they lower a pole over the dog and they just snatch them off a branch. Oh, there we go. Um, so that it's always cool to see like hunting dogs used in the conservation of the stuff they're hunting. Like mm-hmm. that, that to me is really cool. I know some biologists that their colleges bought them dogs to run on sagegrass to study sage in Utah. There you go. I get to help out the, uh,
2: the biologists in Utah a little bit with banding, banding, uh, banding, <laughs> collaring, collaring bear. Uh, well, one of the last times was uh, a battery went down, you know, so they know she was in the area that got her on cameras, you know, some, some other non hound hunters were baiting there and the baiting season ended. So uh, one of the hunters had mentioned that there was a, a bear on, uh, on their camera. Um, and they, they had noticed that there was a female that they were wanting to track that the batteries had gone dead. So we got to go out there and, and chase her around and, and tree her. And then they, uh, um, tranked her and then, you know, put new batteries in the collar. Uh, so I, I knew they did that with bears, but I mean, you know, only do an upland game a little bit with my dogs, you know, I'm doing more of it now, but I, okay. That's neat to know that they, you know, they're using, pointing dogs for
3: these two and it kind of like circles back to the origins of pointing dogs the origins of pointing dogs was to like throw nets over their finds and capture these birds alive right that was the whole setter setting yeah thing right originally now now like they've gone back to square one but this time it's to preserve the species right so it's 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 kind of funny they'll they'll use pointing dogs at night and point sage grouse and go in and net them that sounds like a party I want to do that. I want to do that too. If there was a sign-up sheet, I'd be the first one on it. Yeah, that that's that sounds like a good time.
2: All right, so woodcock, right? Okay, so let's see, what else is there? Let's talk about um, partridge, right? Okay, chucker. That's the one I got a little bit of experience with, you know. Um, uh, what do you have to
3: say about him? uh if i couldn't hunt scalies i'd hunt chucker is that right there if i ever move i'll move somewhere where i can hunt chucker every day um that's got to be bad for your health they they drive me nuts they that's what's fun about them yeah yeah and being able to walk just like scalies you can walk there is places you can hunt scalies where you can walk ridge lines and watch your dogs work anywhere from a hundred to a thousand yards out if you want to and being able to watch dogs cover that amount of country is that's why I do what I do. Yeah. It's always pretty, uh, you know, I just watching them cover that ground and then just slam into a point And then like, they look like an ant on the next hill over That's laughing at you. <sighs> the, the, well, I hope that my dogs aren't laughing at no, me.
2: the chucker. The, the chucker
3: might be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was able to hunt chucker in four States this year. I wanted to chase him in Arizona. I really want to be, I want to be able to find them in Arizona. They exist. They've been. Uh, there was someone that hunted them successfully this year, so <laughs> they still exist. Um, so I was able to chase them in Nevada, California, Utah, and Idaho. There you go. So that's like the that's like the hot seat for them, though,
2: isn't it? Are they even found anywhere else?
3: uh Oregon, Washington, okay. Wyoming, and they're Colorado. all over Oregon too. I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. Montana has some, and then Colorado has some too. They tried to introduce them to New Mexico. They didn't take. Mm-hmm. But all right now, huns—that's the other type of partridge. Yeah, I, hung, Hungarian partridge or gray partridge. They've they've got they've got different names. All right, so they're both the partridge, but they're very different, though, right? I mean, yeah. Well, that was a cool thing about like I've hunted huns in Montana in ag and rolling stubble fields and stuff, but where where I hunted them in Idaho, it was literally the same canyons that had Chucker. So like it was like a cool overlap. And uh So you had Huns and Chucker. Yeah. And wow I guess from what people I've talked to, they said it just depends on the year if there's more Huns or Chucker. Just sometimes they're just a lot of both. Mm-hmm. But it was cool. Like, even the first find of the day in Idaho, I was with Derek Allen and Trevor Henderson. And the first find of the day was was a Hun on like a volcanic cliff. And like, that's huh. just so like anti what yeah. most people talk about. That's when, where the trucker goes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not what people talk about when they say Huns. Like, you think just ag. It's hun. Hmm. All right. And then, uh, Derek and I, we, that day we were just some days you shoot better than others. And, and the chucker were behaving really well that day. And I think Derek and I both shot three doubles in a row on chucker. Hey, and that, that'll be, that's hard to top. I had a dream. I did that once. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it very nice. Um, all right uh i've always thought those are unique uh, there's so there's some color to them that always throws me off
3: i don't i don't know they've just always been that weird bird for me the huns you know um yeah especially early season they're they're, they're really not that pretty early season the late season you get that orange head yeah like
2: the, orange i remember orange telling tail. somebody you know like
3: <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a pheasant but it was orange you know it was that this weird color yeah, yeah when you moved to idaho you called me and yeah you're you like i saw a- <laughs> bird it looked like a quail but it was big and it orange was, And it was orange but not all orange just a little orange but it was definitely
2: orange i it was like it's a hun, chad you saw a hun. awesome i got <laughs> huns in my backyard you know <laughs> and that was the last i saw them before moving back <laughs> um but man oh gosh that's that's neat what do you think of those how, how do you like huns
3: they're just like a really polite chucker um they do run i've seen them run I've seen it almost every bird run, but generally they hold nice and they flush together nice and they kind of fly like a flock of pigeons when they fly it's kind of cool. Huh? I enjoy them. Are they about the same size as a chucker or? Smaller. They're, in bet- they're, like, they're bigger than a quail but smaller than a chucker. Okay. Okay. Um, I wish we had those near me. Yeah, but I've heard they
2: really don't reintroduce well. I guess their their area's grown incredibly, but I've I've heard that everywhere they try and like establish them, without them like bleeding into the area, they don't they don't
3: they don't take very well. I don't. I think they're just one of those birds that are cyclical. And good years they do great, and every other year they're like, eh. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then, okay. Ptarmigan. Ptarmigan. That weird,
2: like in the spelling of this word is. Fun to write. It, <laughs> There's a Q in there, a smiley face, maybe some hash, some hashtags, <laughs> an asterisk. The bird that almost killed me is that okay? Break it down. So, How
3: did a ptarmigan almost kill you? So where ptarmigan exists in the lower 48? Like in Alaska, they they live in much lower elevations. Well, it's colder, right? So which kind of ptarmigan are we even talking about? So here? we're talking about white-tailed, the only ones that will expand into the lower 48, which. You can only hunt them in a few states they exist in a few more, so I was in Colorado up up over thirteen thousand feet um i'd only Ooh. i only had two days to hunt them and I remember this story <laughs> yeah I only had two days to hunt' them and i I had just gotten done shooting photos of the the Nav Day Invitational. and after watching people play with pen raised birds and for a week i'd I was like i I couldn't i couldn't take it anymore hunting season's open and i drove straight from the invitational up to colorado and hiked i only had like two hours left of daylight and i hiked straight up to i parked at right around 10 and i hiked up to about 13 and i ended up getting up to 14 on that hunt but hiked right up to 13 and uh with just gamora and that's that's a setter? It's one of my setters. Got into him as the sun was setting, shot a limit. Um, got a nice photo, Gamora up on a cliff. Came back down the mountain because I didn't have cell phone service and Yubi had turned his in-reach off, so I couldn't contact him. And uh, I was planning to meet Yubi up there. Came back down to about, like I think, 8,000 feet, got a hold of them and then we kind of came up with a game plan for the next day. And I I didn't know you're not like if you're getting acclimated to super high elevations you're not supposed to really camp where you're hunting. You're supposed to kind of descend a little and then hike up each day. All right. So we we went up back up to like 11 or 12 right around there and camped. And the next day two puppies got out and uh I didn't want to ruin Ubisoft. son. He only gets two days off a week. So, um, I told him to go hunt and I was going to look for the puppies that got out and they kind of disappeared. Well, while I was out looking for them, I passed out. Um, which at the time I thought it was just altitude sickness. So just walking and fell over. <laughs> I just walking and fell over and woke up to my cocker spaniel licking my face. And I just, i like couldn't see straight i was dizzy i had like the most splitting headache i've ever had in my life i couldn't breathe i was like well i'm at high elevation duh and uh eventually later on that day yubi found me and uh he said someone had tied the dogs to his truck but then uh someone else came by and cut them loose and Took him to the police station. Then the dogs ended up at this person's house. Oh, and, look at him saving the dogs! Maybe, yeah, you know, helping out. Nothing, nothing more dangerous to a dog than a do gutter right? Um, <laughs> okay, so then what happened? Uh, somehow, you be he pieced it all together, got the dogs, and then we descended a little bit. And I was like, "Dude, I am, I am very sick." Um, spent the night in this cool old hostel and then descended the next day all the way back down to like normal elevations and i i went to the hospital and my blood oxygen level was in the 60s they said you test positive for covid and you have altitude sickness and i was damn near dead and it's a nice combination of things spent (laughs) spent some time in the hospital and eventually recovered but then once i went home i don't i don't think i got out of bed for over a week it was it's pretty brutal but you got the birds though still shot a limit there you go got the birds out of the way first and then you went about trying to di- die <laughs> yeah and so it turns out everyone that was at the invitational pretty much got covid so i, I it's just perfect storm of horrible and those little goofy oxygen cans that i used to laugh at people for i'm like you're, you're gonna huff oxygen from a can from the gas station all right whatever uh, they were like half the reason I was able to get off the mountain. So, oh, is that right? Okay, but they're not Good so. Dead. And it makes sense because once I got to the hospital, they're like your blood oxygen levels are in the sixties. I'm like, well, what's dead. And they're like, you're there, bud. <laughs> um, Working on it. <laughs> so
2: yeah, man. All right. So that's man. That does take you all over these birds. Uh, is there a state? How many states like have you not hunted upland game in?
3: Uh, so I've done 34 of the 50 States hunted in the lower 48. I've been to all of them, but I've only hunted 34, um, here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to go hunt Georgia. So check one more off, but there's some States I don't, I don't, I don't know if they even have upland birds to hunt. Um, hmm. I'd like to hunt some Bob white in Florida sometime or the Carolinas, but like States like. I guess they all kind of do have uplands, so mm-hmm. eventually I'd like to hunt all fifty. I'd like to be able to at least say I hunted something in all fifty. I think every state has something to offer.
2: Oh, of course, there's something in all of them. But I'm just curious. Like it sounds like these uplands are taking you freaking everywhere. The only man.
3: one I can't think of anything is like Ohio. Like I don't, I don't know what would bring you to Ohio. For I'm upland. sure there's pheasants there, and you know, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to go hunt released pheasant.
2: Oh, they're fun sometimes.
3: <laughs> so,
2: uh,
3: so fun that you want to drive 25 hours to Ohio for? Well, it? no, no, definitely
2: not. But I imagine if I lived there, I'd have a party with them.
3: Yeah, if you live there. But for me, I 12 hours, I could be in South Dakota. Yeah, there you go. And have them darkening the sky. <laughs> yeah, covering the
2: road. Mm-hmm. So, so like we said, all right. Well then, I mean, you gave us a, a you know, a lot of them. Like a, and scale quail are your favorites, huh? I mean, like what what makes them your favorite then of all that? I mean, you you took us to, the, to for you start. know, mountaintops for ptarmigan, to the thick woods for woodcock, and the sage flats for grouse, sage grouse and Columbian, and and then the crags for chucker, and you know, and crop fields
3: for the huns. Well, why scale quail for me? scaled quail have a big native range they're a native species they're drought resistant even in years gambles and montezumas and bob do horrible the scalies are still hanging mm-hmm. it's a tough bird and a pretty spot um and they're native um, i have a hard time calling a non-native species my favorite right i get that uh, i enjoy them i love them but to say that chucker or pheasant is my favorite it's it's hard for me i it, i i have a huge love for native species here so prairie chickens scalies montezumas those are those are cool natives that should be cherished and protected at all costs mm-hmm. i think and you just like their mohawk they are kind of punk rock i call them punk rock well they got the little white mohawk yeah i, I think that and it's it kind of always like f you like when they run away like when they're running away on us today like mm-hmm. you just see that like illuminated white mohawk running through the desert little bowling right like a little bowling pin (laughs) with a mohawk (laughs) man that was that was that was that was nice that was a lot of fun the best part of that was we came up we were looking for jackrabbits for your bird and come up over the hill and i was like i was trying to show you what scaled quail habitat looks like and i was like Mm -hmm. this draw looks like it would hold scaled quail and And then like 30 (laughs) seconds later i'm like oh cool there goes 40 of them yep right over the top there they
2: are and then chasing the bird and the next drainage over i found some and then the next drainage over that you know like i mean they weren't crowded but it was like it was neat it was neat right they, they're definitely they're definitely something special i get it now you know why you have so much fun chasing these birds all across the u.s i mean that, that's the cool part if you go visit anybody anywhere i mean there's something there they got a bird there that's worth chasing you know in a unique way i mean sometimes the same species here or
3: there is just, I mean, not totally different, but the way you hunt them is different. Yeah. I mean, scalies, they, I mean, they frequent Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, Kansas, New Mexico, Arizona, different in every single one of those States. Uh, Chuckard, all the States I've hunted them, it's different. And it's one thing to check off a different species, but go hunt the same species somewhere you never hunted them before. Like I would love to go hunt, bobwhite quail in Kentucky or like you said, Florida, even. Florida, yeah, throw,
2: that'd be different to see
3: bobwhite in like Palmetto. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's cool. That's, that's, I can't get that experience here. That's where I grew up chasing pigs is on that stuff. Yeah. yeah so to mean, go hunt yeah. bobwhite in that would be, yeah. I want to do it. Or like the law, longleaf pines of Georgia, Alabama, uh, Tennessee, mm-hmm. where they they've got quail there and just to see one there would be cool. So I guess what we're trying to tell y'all is these things are everywhere you know there's it's something you can get into
2: you know it's, it's a whole lot of fun you know you're in the woods with your dog so i mean awesome right off the bat you know you get a little gun work you know and and it's fun to do with friends you know um like today you know that was a blast i had a party you know i definitely want to find more time to do it but it's going to get into my falconry and my lion
3: hunting a little bit and i just but i gotta find time for it i mean this this is a blast and that's the thing that's nice about upland like i had a 19 covey day two days ago and i had just as much fun with a two covey day today Mm -hmm. just as much fun yeah it's good dogs good company and good country it's that's kind of hard to beat no matter what no matter what you're doing i'd kind of compare it it's different it's different but i don't know when i'm free casting my dogs
2: sometimes i look for tracks i haven't cut anything now we're back to hounds talking for just a minute but like I'm out or i haven't found anything so i'm like okay i don't want to just go back to the house so i'm going to get out i'm going to make a little a little walk you know and you're, you're you're hiking your dogs in and all of a sudden you know one of your dogs gets off a little bit and boom there's a strike you run over there and ah lion track awesome but that that feeling you know where you hear them just open up for a second and then start hammering down as they scoot away i don't know that 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 puts adrenaline in me my hair's standing up on, on my back of my neck just just thinking about it right now and there you can get that with these with these upland dogs too um something about you know like we were talking today or not today yesterday when and you're like oh this is kind of an area that might hold them you know and then we look up on the hill and then there's Kira standing it's super still that big old setter tail just flapping in the breeze you know and you're like oh is she moving no she's not moving she's not moving she's holding still they're there let's go let's go let's
3: go let's go yeah, that there's adrenaline in that too there and is. that was cool uh that's that the one thing i do miss uh for- Going, coming from beagles, dachshunds, and mostly terriers to bird dogs is the, the voice of a dog. Like, I, I I don't understand it when people don't like a dog that voices, but it's why I run my yags with my setters on on uh.
2: There you go
3: on birds, uh, fellow yag man. When I when I hear when mouse sees a dog on point and she, I put her in a sit and she starts screaming in a sit in anticipation. And then mm-hmm. she starts voicing as she runs through the quail. Like, like, it's just like a, like a little homage to where I got into dogs <laughs> and I'll, I'll never, I'll never grow out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And even if mouse finds her own quail, if, if she, if she runs up her own quail, she'll voice on it. Like it's a, a rabbit or a bear mm-hmm. or a cat. She just, I'm working on it with Aja. She would actually started doing it the other day. For the this first is another Yag Terrier. Yeah, Aja? another Yag Terrier. Uh, uh, I watched. I, we had flushed a covey of gambles, and I watched for one put in. I brought Aja over, and she got in the bush. She started screaming as it flushed out, and I shot it. And she screamed the whole way over to it, <laughs> and brought it back to me, happy as happy as a clam.
2: I I, I dig that too.
3: I am you know. Being a
2: Yag Terrier guy myself, you know, I, I definitely—it's the most god awful
3: noise on earth, and I—it's amazing.
2: It. It's yeah. it's, and I love it. It's like a belt slipping combined with a fax machine and a toddler beating pots and pans together. I think is my best way of describing it.
3: Yeah, if you if you just made a sea lion sound high pitched,
2: <laughs> <laughs> sea lion. yeah, and then
3: just like. Had the audio disconnect while the sea lion was screaming, and it just continued mm-hmm. the continuous uninterrupted noise that that's a yag terrier scream, uh, yeah, yeah, I get it a I, dog uh, having an exorcism there there you go, but what I was trying to
2: like I, what I was trying to capture a little while ago though is like because I've got that with my hounds, and it's definitely there with the terriers, but it's almost like the absence of that with the pointing dogs where like you know your garmin may ding if they're way off or if you're watching your dog move across you know that hill way the heck out there and it's just this like white you know like sashang dog just moving efficiently across the sage and all of a sudden it stops moving was like is that is that what i think that is yeah, you know si- and it, the silence is loud in that definitely to it, me it is and then the tail comes up and holds still right and it, it, so it's the absence of that screaming of the dogs so it almost takes your breath away I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm not doing any justice, but like. You got to see it. Just yeah. like where
3: I took you today, like photos of that place. It just looks like a hill. And mm-hmm. until you've tried to walk it yourself, you're like, it's just a hill. And it's not just a hill. It is a beautiful little cliff. Mm-hmm. And it's covered in rocks. And you're, you're bracing your ankles the whole way up and down. Yep. With and- a gnarled, like, looks like a
2: million-year-old juniper or something like that just clinging on to life hanging off of an edge or something
3: yeah there's only a couple of them up there and they're dead and it's it's cool there's a few live ones up there and there's arrowheads up there there's native american pottery up there it's mm-hmm. it's a cool country so okay so i was just
2: trying to relate that to some of our other audience the way you know like it 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 you can feel it. You know, that adrenaline when you, when you see that point, it's, it's, it's there. Yeah. When, you know, when, when it's you, different from the hound screaming. When you but. see
3: a bird dog moving 12 to 18 miles an hour, just slam on the brakes and turn into a granite statue. You're like, mm-hmm. and then sometimes you'll watch their lips quiver and their jaw chatter. And they'll, you'll see them like kind of bite the air and you're just like, that dog is just drinking scent. And mm-hmm. it's, it's loud. Even though it's quiet, it's loud. Yeah. I, I get it.
2: And that's, that's a pretty good picture. You just painted, you know, I was, I was struggling, you know, like I was like, I got the same feeling, you know, it's just, it's the same feeling, but different if, if, for however, but it was like, like I said, the, the silence of them going on point and then the realization that that's a point, the dog didn't just, stop for a second to take a sniff of something they're like no nope, they're, they're still not moving they're still they got one they got one you know <laughs> it's a, I don't know I had a blast it's new to me you know I do it but like not with quail and it's 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 just different and that so on that note if we got anybody here that's wanting to get started like what's some quick tips well we can talk about this some other time but like just just in case somebody's been waiting for a reason to get into this what would you recommend for somebody wanting to get into Upland
3: don't get into it on your own um find someone doing it go watch it see if it is for you and if it is for you and depending on how much time you have or if you know what kind of dog person you are find a start a dog at the end of hunting season that a guide had all season and start from there don't i see a lot of people that are new to hunting get a dog and they're trying to learn how to hunt together and it, it it's going to take them a few years and it usually does but At least get a dog that knows what it's doing and then go figure it out together. I get that. So you're trying to learn how to shoot, learn this dog, learn learn how to train this dog, learn how to handle this dog and then learn a bird and habitat all. Yeah. You're trying to learn a lot of things at once. So go get a dog that has the foundation it needs at least and, or get a buddy. And if you don't have a buddy, get on a plane and I'll take you out. Right. Um, (laughs) If you get here, I'll take care of you. That's what I tell everybody. Alright, so yeah, then what are you? Uh, uh on Instagram, Quail Hawk. Quailhawk. Gotcha. Quail uh, underscore hawk. There uh, you go, folks. That's a that's a pretty big invite, you know. Uh this isn't for like seasoned hunters, it's for people that want to get into bird dogs. I'll, I'll I'll help you. If you if you've been mad at a while, I'll I'll help you with habitat, but I'm not a I'm not a hotel.
2: That's that's pretty generous, man. Um, so, you know, the takeaways from that, if you're getting into it, you know, you get a friend,
3: um, somebody has been doing it before. Meet your internet friends. There I've, you go. I've not really often regretted it. I mean, most of my internet friends have grown to be my best friends. Right. <laughs> I couldn't imagine the old days where you only knew the people around you in the same town you lived in. The world must've been so small.
2: Mm. Hmm. Um, and then. And then like you said, the other thing would be, you know, if you can't do that, maybe start with a veteran dog, maybe buy a finished dog or close to a dog that at least knows what bird it is. No matter
3: what you pay for a finished dog, you're getting the better end of that deal. Gotcha. The amount of miles and hours it takes to make a dog a finished dog, they they never get that back in, in money. Yeah,
2: I could agree with that. It's about like a hound, you know. I get totally finished, truck to tree, start your own, track starter, rig dog. There's no dollar amount. I see finished bird dogs
3: go for a couple grand all the time. And it's like, there's a couple thousand hours in that dog. Mm -hmm. And a lot of boots. Yeah, a few pairs of boots, tanks of gas, pigeons, launchers, blank guns, shotgun shells, years off people's bodies. Yeah, seeds.
2: (laughs) All these seeds I still have in my shirt. man well we covered a lot of stuff that was a lot i definitely want to have you back maybe we can start breaking down some of these birds a little bit more you know um but uh that's definitely a hell of a bite and i I appreciate you taking time to share you know your pursuit of these birds across the united states you know and maybe gave us a little taste of each um is there anything you know is there anything else you want to want to leave us with i know it's important that you you know kind of got some people
3: that'd be interested point in the right direction. Um, No, I don't, I I, I can't really, I mean, without unleashing another hour of conversation, there's not really much you can dive into. We'll do that. We'll do that
2: again. We'll do that again. Well, thank you. Thanks. We all, we all enjoyed that. Um, So until next time, guys, let's, uh, let's work them hard and treat them like heroes. How many times do you hound doggers catch yourself thinking about
1: an awesome hunt you had or retelling this great story with family and friends around the dinner table, and all you have to remember that moment is some terrible cell phone picture, or worse, no picture at all. Well, Houndsman XP has partnered with Rough Cut Company to help solve your problem and make beautiful pieces of art to remember for all time your experiences in the field. Roughcut Cut Company is an American-owned and American-made business in Wisconsin that specializes in custom, unique photo engravings on hardwood that are framed to any picture you want. They also do customizable antler dog chews and even beautiful, unique antler rings from their own Red Deer in Wisconsin. Roughcut Company can do pretty much anything you ask Their customer service is second to none. Give them a look at roughcutcompany.com. And when you check out, make sure you check out with HXP 10% off to get a discount on your final purchase. Check them out, you guys, and support people that support Houndsmen and help keep us in the field and remembering those times forever. So, yeah. What do you think? I I didn't know anything about like 80% of those birds. So, strictly from what I was most excited to hear about is, I mean, just the dedication to travel that much. Like, I don't know how he has the time. That's the first thing I was thinking. You got to eat, sleep, breathe it, dude.
2: Mm -hmm. And he's getting a tent put on his truck. Like, I think he's going to become an Overlander. (laughs) Yeah, I I think he'd probably you know he'd probably get offended by that you know I don't know <laughs> if he wants the stigma that goes along with it <clears throat> but it definitely has that smell to it I would have to agree with you you know <laughs> he has one of those metal racks on his on the top of his Tacoma now and then the and then the you know the truck top now I know one of the things is he's worried about I don't know if you saw that but somebody stole a whole rig full of bird dogs
1: I did that happened in my hometown
2: okay it happened yeah. right here Okay. So he's terrified of that. He's like, I'm done. I'm never sleeping in a hotel room again. I'm going to sleep in the truck, you know, right there next to all his dogs. And that's, that's one of the main reasons, you know, is he just, dude, I've never, them. I always camp
1: when I, mm-hmm. and I, I rarely travel with my dogs. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first one to admit that, but I either sleep in the back of the truck with them cause I'm stupid or I sleep in a <laughs> tent right next to my pickup because mm-hmm. yeah, that, that stuff I'd look, between he and i and you we need to stop talking so good about new mexico because we're gonna get overrun the things we love about it is that there's nobody here
2: <laughs> well, well there you go tell them they, they might steal your dogs you know yeah you know, yeah there you go there you go you, know, you go you keep an eye on your dog and people will take it from you, you know? <laughs> that's my thing they're like i'll, I'll stop somewhere and they're like ah oh, do you have a pet feed they're like yes how many dogs do you have I'm like one <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Don't yeah, mind I mean, the, the 15 crates you're going to see me piling into this hotel room here in about 10 minutes. Don't mind that, you know. I promise blind. you it's all for one dog. <laughs> <laughs> Someone knocks on the door. <laughs> no, they're all very quiet. They're all very ah, quiet. Okay. Luckily, everybody's dead quiet, but uh, it's it's pretty funny. Bayar, one of our last, our old Yag Terriers that recently passed, she used to sneak into all kinds of places where she wasn't allowed. She actually went whitewater rafting. We stuffed her in her backpack and brought her on the bus and she went whitewater rafting with us, you know? So (laughs) she just
1: sat in your backpack the whole time.
2: No, she came out, she had a life vest on, you know, not that she needs one, but then I I could see her if she fell out, you know? Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, White (laughs) water. Yeah. But yeah, we, I I stuffed her in my backpack and they even had a strict no pets policy, you know, but we, it was a little 15 pound terror. I could just cram her down in a backpack and then walked on the bus, you know? (laughs) And then we got there, and I popped her out, and our river guide started cracking up. She was on our team; she she had a blast. with it. But yeah, I got a, I got a long history of sneaking these things where I don't belong. It's not as easy with a sidehound. I will admit they. Uh,
1: I was gonna say, good luck trying to stuff my long dog into a backpack. She'd go insane. Yeah, they don't they don't backpack so well, but uh, uh, but they're quiet, you know. So I still one hundred percent quote you. Uh, every time they're only going to you can only train them to do what they already would do on their own Mm -hmm. like (laughs) you're you're never going to get them to do something else like Mm -mm. that's not happening Mm -mm. they got a lot of stuff really come stock I, i really liked how you know it's so interesting i never arizona seems empty too you know but there's a lot more people that live there but you know how tyler's talking about how he's out there and the only people he ever comes across are like the random lion hunter. Mm -hmm. you know and that's exactly my experience too dude where i hunt you never ever see people and i love it i love it that way you know what i mean um it's just so empty so vast so much public land especially for a bird hunter see like us coursers we're a lot more isolated to certain areas but man those draws those canyon country all that is such good quail hunting new mexico
2: mm-hmm. is such a badass place to find quail so anyway and, I, and a lot of people I don't even it know here. it's there though a lot of people yeah. don't even know like the farmer the rancher that found us came up and was like oh yeah how you doing and we're like yeah we're you know they, they saw the shotguns you know and they're like are you you know hunting doves you're like no we're hunting quail well nah, there's no quail out here and We're like "Ah, oh, well we're gonna take a look anyway you know like you know. <laughs> Kind of thing. Yeah. We were chuckling about it afterwards. It happens so often. They're like, no, this water tank, we had quail here back when we had the water in this tank, but the, you know, this pump broke and there's never been quail around here anymore. And like, we, we got into like four coveys within a, a mile of that spot, you know? So even yeah. the ranchers sometimes are oblivious <clears throat> to all these animals that live around them, you know? And I, that, I, got, was... I got
1: a secret for you. What's that? They lived here before the cattle were here.
2: Yeah, that I tell people. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. they've know? been here for a little while they were
2: here before that tank i promise yeah you know
1: yeah 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 they're a desert bird <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. so but anyway yeah so well man yeah i hope everyone enjoyed it it was i i love learning about these new things and that's what the spirit of all mixed up is about is i want to i want to showcase i want to showcase every aspect of hunting with dogs and stuff that you know honestly even stuff that may not be directly related to the or dire, not directly about dogs, but related to it. Cause like we had Scott Allen on and he was just talking about how to take better pictures. And I mean, we all want to do that. Nobody likes to look at how many times are you at a party and you're like showing pictures of your dogs to people on your phone. And if they're like blurry, the person's like faking interest. They're like, Oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: and you're like, yo. Oh. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny though about that? I have a, a pile. I have a whole album. Of pictures of my dogs pooping that i save just for that <laughs> when people start sharing pictures of their dog you know like hey there's my dog fluffy you know I'll, I'll go to my album and i'll put i'll get haggis taking a, a big dump <laughs> you know i'm like here you go i don't say anything i try and keep a straight face you know but like, yeah there you go you know, oh my they'll, god they'll they're like oh one. he's I'll, so cute i'll scroll over to there's possum you know now there's possum <laughs> I'm like, you know how long it took me to teach him that frog impression? You know, that's it's a long time You're all, <laughs> all hunched over. You need <laughs> to make a calendar
1: and, <laughs> and put it on the HXP store.
2: There you go. There you go. That could be something fun. That could be cr- fun. Everybody post pic- <laughs> pictures. Of the all pictures.
1: right, everyone. We're saying it now. We're, I want you guys to post the best pictures of your dogs pooping. Yes. we're doing it I'm, I'm we're owning it right now <laughs> <laughs> oh, all the it. top the the ones with the most likes we're gonna put in a calendar we'll put in a houndsman xp calendar <laughs> i'm saying it right now officially the the yes. we're gonna make a photo competition on the group post pictures of your dogs pooping tag the episode the ones with the most likes we're gonna make a houndsman xp top 12 we'll make a calendar and it's going to be amazing
2: it's fantastic <laughs>
1: it's fantastic
2: that's a great idea
1: <laughs> i'm ending it i'm ending it on a high note chad you got anything else my brother
2: no that's it man i, I got nothing i got nothing
1: <clears throat> hunt them hard treat them like heroes take pictures of them pooping <laughs> <laughs> thanks uh, a shout out to tyler thanks buddy for being on the show we appreciate it buddy and taking time and taking Chad hunting obviously you guys are been doing that but appreciate it everybody we'll see you next month stay tuned everybody there's going to be a lot more awesome houndsman xp content on the way as always thanks everybody for listening talk to y'all later